we are in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. This is all about how the God-man prays before he acts. And so to start us off, why is prayer essential before big decisions? If you're trying to convince someone that they should pray before they make big decisions, what would be your reasons? Why is prayer important before big decisions? You over again? Uh, you're bound to be hasty if you don't pray first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want people to come to God first. He can direct you and they will direct you. Yeah. Even though, you know, the things you can ask for healing or show, mm-hmm. God's the best thing. Yeah. You want God to bring wise counselors to you. Mm-hmm. Even praying for other people, involve God with it. That would also involve other people. Is there a hand there, Christian? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, so that you receive wisdom so you can follow the will of God. Mm-hmm. And I think we would believe that the will of God would be best for us, right? I think Pastor Yuri was doing, going through Joshua, just finished Joshua, doing apologetics. Kind of said, we're doing Joshua, and he talked about like how, they, how they, um, the people, the Israelites under Joshua, even great leadership, made allegiances with foreign people without ever praying. And the text brings out clearly they did not pray. Uh, those of you who remember um, going through First and Second Samuel, uh, how we've talked about um, before David and Bathsheba takes place, David is where he shouldn't be. He's in Israel where he should be out at war. And we pointed out he really does, we don't see him praying. Before that, he's praying before every decision, every battle, he's praying this long period in those chapters where David does not pray and things go from bad to worse during that time. up a great point of just the fact that, like, that prayer is important because it connects us to the real God. If we're praying to the real God, that that is where we want to get true wisdom from. So, secondly then, if prayer is essential, why do we find ourselves too busy for it often? Like, well, what, what are the excuses that we give or the re- maybe, maybe maybe excuses is the wrong word, but the reasons we give for why we don't have time to pray, or don't have need of prayer, or whatever. Don't make the time. Don't make the time. Okay, so we don't make the time. What what fills the time instead, Jerry? That's a great point. Stuff that takes less effort. Uh-huh. Like Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's always something that you need instead. Yeah. I think sometimes even we we talked about like you know talking with other people, but sometimes like it feels more real 
to talk to a person for wisdom than it does to talk to God. Because God is not seen. And if I go and talk to somebody, well, do I really need to pray? Right? The, the lies that go through my head. Other reasons why we don't pray. Mr. Paul. I can do this. Uh, when you Because often if we have to go like, well, here, what do I have to do? We get so focused on the next thing I have to do, we forget that God is in charge. He is sovereign. He is in control. And so nothing can be accomplished outside of him. Yeah, Eric, was that a hand? Yeah, I was, was going to say that I think a lot of us find ourselves sort of swept away in, in like the current of, of like the daily activities of our work this week. We don't really think of decisions and deliberate actions that we're, that we're trying to achieve or the, the purpose that, that we feel that God is pointing us to. So we need to connect to God to, to reaffirm our purpose and our direction. We need, sometimes we need courage to make big decisions. But I think quite often a lot of people don't really, they're not really aware you know, of, of the things that are happening or they don't pay that much attention to the decisions that are actually happening. They just go book on prayer, uh, Pastor Alistair Begg writes, a self-assured person is not going to pray prayer as a petition. There's no need to pray if you think you have God all covered. A self-righteous person is not going to pray prayers of confession. There's no need to pray if you think you're good enough to earn God's blessing. Uh, often we, we don't pray because we don't think we need it. Or we forget in the moment. Like we, we get overwhelmed. Sometimes it's not necessarily like, I know I need it, but it, I get lost in the busyness of things. I get focused on these various things, or, or I feel like I've got things together and I'm holding it together really well. And so you just kind of forget and you get distracted by prayer. Now, if there is, and there was, only one person, one man, Whoever walked the face of the earth who had it all together and always did what was right and always did whatever God wanted him to do. And his name was Jesus. And he prayed intensely, right? And, and so tonight, we're, this particular passage, we'll, we'll come up with some more passages in, in the future as Jesus actually begins teaching, teaching them how to pray. But in this passage, it's really just a reminder of why we should pray, the example of prayer. Because it's hitting us that, like, you know, we find Jesus over and over again praying 
And this should set us an example of how desperate we should be. We're not self-righteous. We're not self-assured. And the one person who was still took much time to pray, right? A quick just review of the context, just where we are. One more time. What is the purpose of the book of Luke? Of, what is the purpose of the book of Luke? Exactly. So, here we are in Luke chapter 6, and we're about to have a review of the 12 apostles. Put yourself in the mind of one of those early churches that have spread across the world, and you know the names of Peter and James and John. Maybe you've even met them, or, or you met someone who met them. But no one you know has actually met Jesus, because Jesus has been dead for a while right now. And, and so Luke is writing to give assurance that the apostles who you learn stuff, who, who are writing scripture that you're reading, they are following the path of Jesus. They are following. So you've heard that, you know that, but he's like, let, let me remind you. These people are the foundation of the church. Ephesians 2, 19 says, You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple of the, in the Lord. Ephesians 2, 19-21. So as this church is growing, he's reminding them the apostles are the foundation, but Jesus is the cornerstone. He's holding it together, and they are built upon him. They are flowing from Jesus. Luke has already shown the way they've been called. The disciples have been called, and they kind of went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Pharisees a few times, because the Pharisees are like, hey, you're following Jesus. Why is Jesus doing this? Why is he doing the thing on the Sabbath that shouldn't be allowed on the Sabbath? And the disciples took a little heat from that, and Jesus stepped in and responded to it. And now, Jesus is going to choose 12 specific men from all his followers, and he is going to give them a special job of leading, which will set out for the foundation of his church. And the first part of this, so it's kind of broken up. We have the names in um, verses 14 through 16. We probably will not get through all the names tonight. And then we have his preparation for that in prayer in verses 12 through 13. All of this just showing us Jesus' prayer before ordaining shows the necessity of prayer. Like, this is a really big deal that Jesus spends a lot of time praying for. First off, Jesus' model shows our prerequisite for prayer. Jesus' model shows our prerequisite for prayer. Well, before we go and do, we should pray just like Jesus did. And verse 12, In those days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So then verse 13, when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Oh, beginning of verse 12, you notice that phrase, in these days. 
Now, is in these days saying the next thing that happened? Or is it saying a unspecific time? Is in these days the next thing that happened? Or is it an unspecific time? What do you guys think? Unspecific time, right? In these days, even just phrase, it's just in that time, around the same time, sometime around then. Again, remind us different gospels are different. Mark is always a next, a next, a next. Luke is, oh yeah, let me just tell you what's going on in those times. Jesus is in the area of Galilee. Oh, sorry, it's super blurry. It did not transfer well. Um, but he's in this, he's around the Sea of Galilee, and he's doing ministry. And look down, where does he go? Verse 12. He went to the mountains. Now, there are a bunch of mountains around the Sea of Galilee. These are the Arbel Cliffs near the Sea of Galilee, the highest point. Um, here's it from the bottom, looking up. Luke doesn't mention a place, so some scholars think this might have been it. It looks over, and this could have easily led to his Sermon on the Plain that happens in the next section because there's a flat area right below here. So Jesus could have gone way up here, gotten away from everyone, and what does he do there? He prays. Famous painting of Jesus praying in on the mountain before he does his disciples. Um, he prayed all night until morning. Sunset uh, on that evening, and that phrase there, where it says, all night he continued in prayer, it, it just it's an interesting Greek phrase that medical doctors would use in the Greek world to describe having to care for someone throughout the night. Uh, my mom used to work night shift as a nurse, uh, and, and I would hear just stories, and anyone who's been in the hospital knows just the fact of like constant checking and poking and going like you might take a little bit of brace, but you got to go back in and help. And so this is the idea. Like maybe we're not necessarily saying every second praying, but constantly flowing back into prayer over and over again. And I think it is interesting that often people look for a single formula in prayer. Prayer, like just just tell me how to pray, and and that's why people often repeat prayers. Um, because like, well, let me just memorize a prayer, and if I just say that prayer, you know, it'll make everything go right. But when you look through all the prayers in the Bible, they're as diverse as every life situation. Like the Psalms, 150 Psalms are all songs, but also prayers for different life situations. You got sad prayers, you got happy prayers, you got, you know, we need to work together prayers, like unity prayers, all different kinds of things. And so I think that shows us, like this reading, that we're not told here what Jesus is praying. We are just told that he is praying over and over again. Like, for example, well, we see prayers in preparation for things. Jesus is about to do something, and so he's praying. Similarly, in a similar way, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, before he goes about doing the work of rebuilding, in Nehemiah 1.11, he hears about Israel and Jerusalem being torn down. And he says to Yahweh, O Yahweh, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, 
and to the prayer of your servant to delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man, the king. So he wants to go and talk to the king, and so he is praying before he goes. Now, Nehemiah also has a very quick prayer when the king looks at him and goes, What's the matter, Nehemiah? And starts talking to him, and he's like, Oh, I'm so sad on my hometown. And the king says to him in Nehemiah 2.4, What are you requesting? So he said, I prayed to the God of heaven. And then he starts speaking with his plan. I love that because like, like, he couldn't just sit there and have a long prayer and fold his hands and close his eyes. It was like an instantaneous prayer and then start talking to the king. He prayed during. We also see, after his ministry to the Philippians, Paul prayed after the ministry. Philippians 1, 9, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. He's praying for them afterwards. He's ministered to them. Before, in the middle, afterwards. You have super long prayers throughout the whole Bible, where like, in King Solomon's dedication, Solomon, which we went through, his prayer dedication over the temple, very long, lots of words in that. And there are short prayers. Some people argue the shortest one is actually Peter requesting Jesus to save him, O oh Lord. Like, so there are tons of them. Ian Bounds, a great writer on prayer, one of the best classical books on prayer written about a century, a little over a century ago now. Ian Bounds says, Our shortest prayers owe their point and efficiency to the long ones that have preceded them. The short prevailing prayer cannot be prayed by one who has not prevailed with God in a mightier struggle of long continuance. It's a good reminder. Like we, we are so often just quick, 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 and there's a good place for that. But to have long prayers, too. My children often joke with me, they're like, Dad, that was a church prayer. That's we, we don't want you to do a church prayer right now. Do a home prayer. <laughs> okay, I guess that, that's how it works, huh? Yeah, like kids, there's something good about talking to God for a long time. John Piper, also reflecting on this, says, Though we might think that the Son of God would be above the need to pray, he sets the example for us. As a perfect human, meet, human being, by rising early in the morning to pray, seeking times to pray alone, and sometimes spending the whole night in prayer, and in the end, preparing for his suffering by prayer. Like, Jesus shows us how important it is to keep praying in different ways, in different times, but constantly praying. And it's not surprising, but do you know what we see repeated throughout the book of Luke and Acts? Prayers. Over and over again. So Jesus prays before he asks his disciples would be, and he prays before he, he goes and says, okay, hey, disciples, who do you say I am? Before he tra he's transfigured, he prays. He prays before his testing in the garden. Then, in the upper room, they pray before the Spirit comes. And after Peter and John are arrested, they pray for 
boldness to be able to keep proclaiming the gospel. And in Acts 14.23, we read, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed to them the Lord whom they had believed. So I would argue, and a lot of teachers agree, when Luke is saying this example, he's not just giving this to us to go like, ah, Jesus is praying. He, he's setting a standard that is followed by the apostles in the book of Acts, that before they set leaders, they pray intensely for them. Like, we should be praying for leaders in the church and all leaders in, in general. Now, back... Back in this passage, though, who is around Jesus right now? He goes up in the mountain. He prays to God. Who's around him? Nobody. Nobody. Like, again, he, the Son of God got away from the multitudes and all his ministry. There were people who always wanted him. And he continually gets away on his own to pray. That does not mean you always have to pray alone. Jesus prays publicly sometimes. Um, in Luke 10, 21, he rejoiced in the Spirit and says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Right? So he's, he's praying to people, to God, in front of all these people right here. Right? Who does that? All this is to show prayer is essential. Do you know any bakers? Bakers get up ridiculously early in the morning. Why do bakers get up ridiculously early in the morning? Does anyone know? So they used to rise in what? In the, in the bread dough, yeah? And, and, and why, but why do they have to do that really early? So the donuts will be ready. Yeah. 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 We're going to go for the donut baker right here. Who cares about the bread? And, and, but why does that require getting up really early? Is, is the rising of the dough from the yeast a quick process or a slow process? So I read somewhere, I'm not sure on the specifics of it, because my great-grandfather was a baker, but I have not received any of those skills through genetics at all. Um, I can, I can, I, I'm not patient at all. But supposedly it takes at least four hours to do anything of substance. Like you, you have to do a long time period. And so, like a baker, Jesus is getting up at the crack of dawn, or in this case, staying up all night, kneading his own heart with prayer. And most likely, remembering what God's word has said to prepare himself to serve his so let's summarize. Why does Jesus show prayer is so important? What do you guys notice from this? Why does Jesus show that prayer is so important? Because that's an example of God. Like when he prays with us, mm -hmm. he is truly the Son of God and the Father of everything. Yeah. He loves everything. He's not a mean, mm -hmm. <coughs> he's not a mean God. Yeah. Serve them and to follow in the same steps. Yeah. Like, 
if he does it, if, if he who has no needs needed to pray, how much more us, right? Yeah, you know, that is a great question. Let's come back to that later. A good question. Um, the real short answer is is that it's not, that's not, not what we believe the Bible teaches. Um, and we can look at some passages later to talk about what, why, where that comes from and what that is. But we, we believe tongues is speaking another language, not praying. Um, but some people would have different opinions on that. We, we can talk about that. Good question. I think it's a, it's a very important issue. Yeah, I knew that. Now, it is interesting. I think one thing we have to remember is that Jesus' purpose in prayer is much of his purpose in everything. God's glory and our good, our joy. Right? Jesus said in John 14, 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You get that? Like, we get help, and he gets glory. So that, that's part of the reason that we're supposed to pray, is because it's not just that, well, we need it. It's actually also the glory goes to who it belongs to, who deserves it. Think about it. How does God get glory when something good happens after we pray? How is... John 14, 13, the Father is glorified in the Son when something good happens after we pray. How does God get glory when something good happens to us after we pray? Only He could do it. Only He could do it, right? And who knows that only He could do it? We do. We do. Right? To go back to my to go back to my comment about on, on vacation, like again, it's easy, easy to go. Oh yes, yes, the um, the crew just figured it out. They're professionals, and they stopped that smoke from from coming off the ship and and fix everything. And you know what? That is true. They did. But who gave them the insight to know what to go and fix? Who gave them the strength? to adjust and fix things? Who gave, their, gave them breath in that very moment so that they could take one more step? God. And so, you know, when my family gets together, we pray, and the ship starts moving again, who do we thank? God, right? And when something good happens, we thank God who's behind it. If we don't stop to even pray, then we don't afterwards stop to thank any other reasons you guys can think of the ways that God could receive glory when something good happens in prayer? Well, we're shepherds. If we're mm -hmm. shepherds for God, he glorifies ways and mm -hmm. answers. Yeah. our good shepherd and his under shepherds who follow him and when we pray and it, it says oh that's the way I should go I see the path laid out before me someone mentioned earlier we, we pray for wisdom and for, to, for God to bring someone along and then suddenly 
God does so. Which sometimes I was confused because we speak English and I speak a different language yes. also. It's like he can really hear us in every language. Yes. God is the God of all languages. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, as we're talking, we're talking like everybody knows what prayer means. Mm -hmm. We're talking like everybody has the right instruction on how to pray. Mm -hmm. But that isn't true. Mm. Because when I came to Christ, Mm. I was asked three Sundays in a row in my Sunday school class to believe in prayer. And I had to say, I don't know how. Mm. And on the third time, I did pray, but she also, my teachers also gave me, because I was a young believer, she gave me a book on a primer on prayer. Mm. So I could understand that praying is simply talking to God. And he, you don't have to make up words. You just tell him, talk to him, because you know him. But you have to learn that. persistent. Yes. Right? I, think, I think that's a good point. That, that's why I, I said that for whatever reason, the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to trust Luke and God who's behind him, he's right now setting up, here's why you need prayer, here's your example, and in a few chapters Jesus is going to tell us, okay, here's how you pray. And he hasn't gotten there yet, and he wants us just to feel, I need prayer. But you're so right. And prayer, just remember, prayer is talking to God. Um, and there are many, um, like we said, many times and ways to pray, but prayer is just talking to God. Now, let me point out one other thing to think about. Because all these things, like, Jesus didn't need to pray all night to just pray for his disciples. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I think if we're, most of us were honest, I don't know if I would be, most of the prayers that you were pretty short. I was like, well, I, I prayed for that thing. Okay, moving on. Let me, let me get to it. But Jesus prays all night. And so the only time we pray repeatedly is when we don't get what we want. Then we pray for it again and again and again, right? But if like, you pray for something once, you stop. And yet Jesus shows this example of continual prayer. Not, he, he, he's not trying to like break God down. Like, okay, please, God, don't make me pick Judas. Please don't make me pick Judas. Please don't make me pick Judas, Father. Like, I know what's going to happen here, right? But um, it is to discover by patient prayer God's wisdom as to the way and time the prayer should be answered. God is not disinclined to help his children or glorify his name, just as he's not disinclined towards Jesus' prayers. But there is the process of working through this prayer. Somehow, it opens us up to see what God is doing in a greater way. Victor, do you have a yeah, question or comment? During communion, I, find, I, I, I kind of like without being prepared. Mm-hmm. And that's why I find like sometimes when I have to prepare for I pray with my Yeah. 
remember this thing after being like champion. Yeah. It just seems like. No, I have vain repetition. Yeah, it's like, vain, yeah. like you're, you're just saying it in a way yeah. like, I've already covered everything in like, the yeah. short, right? And then, so I'm thinking, I remember how long I can prepare personally before. Yeah. You know what? I got, I got a couple recommendations because I think that's a good point. And I, I even was thinking about this because, you know, Jesus spent the whole night in prayer. Like, how in the world? And, and I remember I, my first semester, I had prayer. I don't know if you had that assignment too, Yuri, where we had this whole, you had to pray for an hour straight. And like my professor was like, all right, if you really can't, if you can't work out the whole hour, you can do 30 minutes, but nothing less than 30 minutes straight. And you're like, what in the world? How am I going to fill up 30 minutes? And then he's like, no, it, it, it can be done, <laughs> right? You're like, what? So you started walking through this. And you started thinking, like, what, what are you praying about, right? Um, and perhaps the greatest wisdom he gave was simply write your prayers down so your mind doesn't wander. Like, write down the things to pray for. For example, you know, I, I think you, you asked something very specific. You were like, well, during communion time. One, like, communion time is supposed to be a time of reflecting on our sins and asking God for forgiveness of those things. So you start jotting down all the sins that you have done recently, or even, you can, if you want to, bring up old sins that have long been forgiven, and you don't have to ask for forgiveness again, they've been forgiven, but just remind yourself that that bread and that and that juice are symbolizing that Christ has paid you for that. Write them down. Just keep, keep writing things more down and down to help you think, or look around at people around you. So that, that is the benefit. We have our, our prayer list that Cindy Edson puts out every week to pray over. Those are short things, but you can pray for them every day. You don't have to pray for them all at once, but just pray for those things. Leaving one of the best suggestions he gave us in this class is when you write it down, you write it down, you put the date on it, and then you leave a space to go back and put the answer to that prayer. So you can go back and you pray over this again. You're like, you know what? I should really ask so-and-so. How's it going with it? I, I, I should, I've been praying... For, for this person, I should go and ask them. That's why we prolong in prayer, because you, you think, oh yeah, I should. And then you go back again, and you go over it, and you write down, this is what God did. Second good strategy, don't do this during communion. But pray out loud. I, I don't know about you, but there's something about praying in my head that it just, I wander, I get distracted, versus yeah. when I speak out loud, I'm like, Oh, yeah, I, I keep going. I, if I start to say something ridiculous, I know it a little more. Notice it rather than when you pray loudly. You're driving. Someone, someone's just going to think you're talking on your cell phone on your wireless if you're praying out loud in the car. Pray out loud. And if you need help getting started, there's a reason we have the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. It's called, we'll, we'll get there. Don't worry. We're going to talk about that. But start with a prayer in the Bible. Um, one thing I've given to people over the times is we have a collection of Puritan prayers called the Valley of Vision. And there's something so good when you read someone else's prayer and you're like, wow. Like, I am just amazed by what they are writing here. Like, this, this, I want this to be my prayer. And it starts you down that path. So, good thing to do. Like, write down prayer requests. 
um, read others' prayers or read biblical prayers to get you started, you'd be surprised how long that can go for. Especially if you're going through using something like the Acts model, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. If you just spend like a couple minutes, just trying to say, I'm going to spend five minutes, just like five minutes trying to think of all the ways I can praise God, five minutes thinking all the ways that I can thank God, um, you know, five ways I can think of all the, five minutes to think of all the things I can confess to God, and then five minutes just asking God for things, that's going to stretch longer. Like, you're dealing with 25 minutes at that point, right? Assuming it stretches a little longer. Like, time will fill up. Now, if you don't have that time, that's okay. I suggest we make it sometimes. No, no, no. I, that's part of the adoration. Like, especially if they're good, if they're good, God-glorifying worship songs. There are cheesy songs that are just about me. Um, yeah, I'm like, that sounds great and all, but where's God in that song? Especially so, any, any song that, like, are you talking about Jesus or are you talking about your boyfriend here? What is that? Like, but good, good, good songs are great for prayers. Yeah. 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 I said, um, Bill, is Bill Mueller, he, yes. he knew that God was real because he overheard a person. I, I think of it as a love relationship when you talk with God. It's like, it's alive, it's real. It's not just thinking of things like a, an intellectual exercise. But, and he heard that. Right now, we're just getting into the need. Right? Jesus is praying because he needs to pray, needs to pray as an example for us. Give the specifics of what prayer is later in this book. But what or who is Jesus praying for right now? Look down your Bibles. What comes next? What or who is he praying for? The apostles. The apostles. Specifically, how many of them? Twelve. We're not, they're not going to get through all of them. But secondly, Jesus' motivation shows us the power of prayer. Jesus' motivation, his reason that he's praying, shows us the power of prayer. Verses 13 through 16, And when the day came, he called his disciples, and he chose from them twelve, whom he called apostles. Simon, whom he called, named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So, first off, verse 13, we have the sender of the apostles. The sender of their apostles, being Jesus. It's now day, the sun comes up over the Sea of Galilee, and the hills, and Jesus calls his many disciples together. Remember, the word disciple does not just mean student, it means follower. In the first century, a student didn't simply go to a lecture, like, ah, yes, I want to learn from Professor so-and-so, I'm going to sign up for his class. It wasn't even, like, upper academics. 
you pick a professor who will help you and give you like feedback on your thesis. You're like, oh, I, I like what they're studying. I want to help with that. In those days, you followed the teacher around. There was an element of personal attachment in the word disciple that's lacking in the word student as we think of it today. Like they were a follower. And he is called some of them. We saw Simon and James and John in chapter 5. Levi, or Matthew, was also seen. And the disciples, as we mentioned, have been harassed by the Pharisees because of what Jesus is doing. So there's just this group of people. And within the crowds that are following, there's a group that are his followers, his disciples, who are truly listening to his every word. And out of that group, he chooses 12, whom he calls apostles. 12 he names apostles. And these guys are important. We've already mentioned that Ephesians calls them the foundation of the church. That's a big deal. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul claims that sign gifts go along with this foundational role. He says, The sign of a true apostle was performed among you with utmost patience, signs and wonders and mighty works. So, apostles had the ability to do mighty works, miracles, as part of being an apostle. Big deal. But we have an issue going on throughout the rest of Scripture, this question of apostles of Christ or apostles of the church. Big letter. People describe it as big A apostle versus little a apostle. That's why you'll see like big A or little a. Because I've heard people talk about often how their little girls will come to them and be like, Mom, Dad, why does Jesus have no girl disciples? And you're like, wait, what? Of course he did. Can anyone think of any women who followed Jesus and what their name was? Yeah, you said Mary. There's a whole section of Marys, right? Like, oh yeah, all the Marys. Martha, sister, like all these women, and you see lots of women throughout <clears throat> Scripture, but are there any female apostles? No. no. And so the, the groups are not identical. It, it causes a little bit of confusion that people sometimes get at. Like, what's purpose? Like, not every follower of Jesus was an apostle, nor did that diminish them. They just had a different role. The word apostle literally comes from the verb to send. It means someone sent. It means a messenger. Luke uses it um, around 32 times in Luke and Acts, talking about people. Interestingly, even Jesus was called an apostle. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews 3, 1. Jesus sent by who? God the Father. Who sends these twelve? Jesus. And then we find as we go along, a bunch of other people are sent by various churches as missionaries. Right? In um, Acts 14.4, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Referring to Barnabas. You go, wait, what is Bar I thought the Barnabas an apostle? I thought the apostles were someone else. Well, Barnabas was sent by the church as a missionary. 
So he's being set as a lowercase apostle of the church. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 8.23, says, Titus is our partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers, which is the Greek word apostles, of the churches. The apostles of the churches. 2 Corinthians 8.23. So you get that big A apostle, little A apostle. And this becomes a big deal in various theological issues. When it comes to issues of, like, can women be pastors? Right? And so some people will try and argue, and they go to Romans 16. In Romans 16, you have this large greeting of different people that Paul is saying hi to, he's appreciating them. And you know what? There are men and women in that list who are important to the ministry of God. No woman is ever listed as being a pastor uh, in the scriptures or a priest or an apostle. But in, Act, in Romans 16.7, you have this phrase that says, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known among the apostles, for they were in Christ before me, according to the Revised Standard Version. So they look at it and they say, ah, see, Junia is a woman who's among the apostles. So we have a woman apostle, therefore, pastors can't, a woman can be a pastor. That's the argument. The problem is, one, Junia could be a man's name. Okay? It's like, I, my, my children often do this, like, that sounds like a girl's name. No, that's not a girl's name, just because it's a different culture and it has... It sounds feminine to us. It, would, it wasn't feminine in those days. So, Junia could have been a man. Not necessarily a woman. Um, you'll notice in your ESV Bible, it translates it, it's known to the apostles, not among the apostles. So there could be a translation issue there. And even if she is an apostle, she would be an apostle of the church, not an apostle of Jesus. Think of it more like a missionary who is sent. Paul could just be like, hey, women have been sent out missionaries. We've sent women missionaries out to do the good work of translating languages and ministering to women in different places, right? And so this whole issue of apostles is, it matters. Jesus sent 12 male apostles. Women have an important role, but not that of apostle. In fact, when Peter describes the qualifications of an apostle, he talks about someone who, is, um, who has been there for the whole ministry of Jesus and seen things, and they have to replace Judas. They walk through that. Like These apostles set the direction for the church going forward. And as was that a hand raised? No. Okay, just checking. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's preachers, women preachers, but they are 
you have to be very strong in everything you're doing, you know, how you mm -hmm. regard it for them. Yeah. But I think it's going back to Adam and Eve because of the mistake. It's, and I think that's an interesting point um, you bring up there, because when Paul references that in um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, he doesn't say, he doesn't mention Eve was deceived. But before that, he says the reason that a woman is to, is to not teach or exercise authority over man is because Adam was made first, and then Eve. It's not even because Eve messed up. In fact, actually, the Bible says sin entered through Adam. Adam knew better. Adam was the leader. It's actually more his fault, because he was not protecting his wife. It was more his fault. If anyone deserves more blame and actually gets more blame, it's Adam. But God said the reason that men are to be, only men can be the preachers in the church is simply because God made Adam first. And then Eve came. Not, not, not unequal in value, but different roles is what he brings out. And that's why he chooses 12 men as apostles. Now, let's ask this question then. Try and bring it. Jesus prays all this time for these leaders he's going to decide on. Why is it important to pray for the selecting of our leaders in the churches? Let's talk about praying for elections in the country. That's good too. But why is it important to pray for selecting our leaders in churches? Because you guys do have to do this. Every year, we have elders and deacons who have to be signed off on. When a pastor comes in, you have to vote on this. So why is it important to pray? It'd be easy. Like, oh, yeah, I just got it. Like, I should just circle the, the, the line, right? Like, it's fine. Like, whatever. Why would it be important to pray for the church leaders? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they, so the leaders need your prayer, most definitely. Why else is it important to pray? I like that. It's even an act of submission to God. Like, God, I, I'm not just doing this. I'm doing this as you would want to have happen. That's got to be my goal. Yeah. We see faces, and maybe the person could be very sympathetic, very nice, 
we're going to keep seeing, like repeatedly, Jesus knew who his disciples were going to be. He was not surprised. He wasn't praying like, Lord, just reveal it to me. I don't know who this is going to be. And he even knew Judas was going to betray him the entire time. That was never a surprise. And yet he's praying for them. He's praying for this whole thing. And so even if you feel like, of course, of course I'm going to mark yes. Like, why would I not mark yes? And yet how important it is to pray for those. If you notice in the back of your sheet, um, it should be in there. I, I gave a list from Kevin DeYoung, who is a pa pastor back out east. I uh, appreciate he writes, he writes a lot of good things and books and, and things on the internet of ways that you, you can and, and should pray for your pastors. Um, I'm, running, I'm out of time, so I won't take the time to go through all of that. But these are so much what Paul says, and I, I, I preached through that section of uh, 1 Thessalonians, so you can go online to our website and listen to his explanation there, or my explanation of Paul's statements and that. But that's just such a good list of pray for your church leaders in these ways, that they would be the kind of men that God has called to bless you all. Like, prayer is desperately necessary. We didn't make it through to the actual list of disciples, so we'll come back next time. Um, if you can, over the next week, look at the list and think, oh, what do I know about each one of these persons? And we'll look through them and try and take some encouragement from the fact that some are more well-known than others, and even, again, Judas, the betrayer, is actually an encouragement to us that his name is in this list because of how many ways that we have been betrayed by people in the church over the years. So let me pray. Ask the Lord to use this. Oh, Father above, we thank you for the example of Jesus who, though he had perfect unity with you, prayed. And he, and he endured in prayer. I know how often, Lord, it is hard for me to even pray for more than a few moments without being distracted or thinking, oh, I need to move on to something else. I think of how quickly I go into my own life and ministry and into my jobs and my families without praying and interceding the with you for others. So we, we ask, Lord, that we would remember how much we need prayer. That if you, the Son of God, Lord, you chose to pray, how much more us. We thank you, Lord, again, that you pray for us even when we cannot pray for ourselves. Let me just pray. Ask, Lord, that you would allow us to consider others. And especially, Lord, that we have the annual business meeting coming up. We pray that that time of um, confirmation would not just be something that's rote, but would include much prayer for the leaders of this church, because we desperately need it. We ask that we might be desperate people, knowing that we need you, and that as good things come, we would glorify you and thank you for the praise of your name, Jesus.
Amen. Again, thank you guys for being here this evening, joining, giving some good thoughts. Um, I don't think we have anything going on the rest of the week. Yeah, it's not here. Um, go ahead and please stack the chairs and put up the tables if you wouldn't mind helping. Barbara. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Take it easy. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Barbara. <laughs> good. Good, good, good. Catch you Sunday. Okay. Bye. Jesus on the earth, because in that 
take up my spade, right? If you stay in there, it doesn't do anything. And so prayer without God, without God, doesn't do anything. But God, in some way, uses the spade of our prayers to, to change the world. So, how does that work? In fact, I don't know if the Bible gives us all the answers, but, but he, he does say that he's, he's, he, he uses our prayers to do his work. Thank you. 
So, so was it like a Disney cruise? Yeah, it was. So, so what was it like for the cruise ship? Yeah, I've been to a hotel. Yeah, kind of like that. But with free food everywhere. Oh, wow. And uh, I, think, I think perhaps my kids' favorite moment was sitting in the hotel and watching the movies on the giant screen. Sunday or Monday morning. Monday morning is the port. 
So we just saw this huge shift now going out of the point. Yeah. I just thought that you might have Probably was, probably was our shift. Um, because we, we were we were we were out on sea coming back from Mexico on it's, Sunday. It's time fast so, yeah. But it was this huge like, yeah. So what yeah. there's a bunch of them coming there's a bunch of cruise ships that come in and out of there. So smoke or something. It was some something there was some smoke and fire. Yeah. Okay, I'll let you guys go. See so you guys later. Yeah. No, glad you're here. Smoke's not supposed to come out of the back of the ship like that, Rick. If you were on a plane too, you saw that. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're on a plane, it's not the best place. Hey, you guys grab lunch sometime. Here, I'll shoot you a message.